0: You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. All right, well, I want to welcome those who are with us today. If you are new to Citrus, we're very glad to have you here this morning. My name is Brian. I serve as the pastor. Uh, and this morning, we're continuing a series as we continue looking at the good news of Mark. Uh, and Mark's gospel, as I've shared, was written to give good news to those who are going through hard times. Uh, and this morning, I want to look at another one of the stories uh, that really Mark. The way that Mark writes, Mark the way that Mark writes, uh, and I want to think about something this week. How many of you had a chance to kind of catch the Artemis launch or hope for a launch on on this week? Uh, I went over to and I kind of put it on the TV, and I was really excited to launch. Got scrubbed, which was a bummer, uh, and then I think it just got scrubbed again, and now maybe it's delayed even further. And I was really excited for that because. Uh, I think we have a unique opportunity as Floridians to get to see something that the rest of the world has to watch on TV. I've never been crazy enough to drive over. Did any of y'all try and drive over? Okay. Yep. I knew some, some would have. Um, but the, you know, you know, the neat thing about that is we had this kind of build up to it, and there was this excitement, and we all kind of expected what would happen with it. Um, and then when it got scrubbed, there was this anticipation of what would come next, And when it got scrubbed again, we've kind of just had a lot of these static shots of just a rocket on the pad, kind of waiting. And uh, with that, it's kind of a reminder to me, as we look at the story today, this can be kind of a helpful image to us. You know, we begin to look at this rocket and begin to think to ourselves, is it just kind of broken down, and will it stay there forever? But, But we know that there is a team of people who are working overtime at this point, probably behind the scenes to kind of fix it, to figure out what happened, and to get this lifted off. And I want us to look at our scripture today with that same mind, because we'll come across in our scripture the story of someone else who seemed broken down, but it becomes a reminder to us that God sees more than is there. God sees what we can see in this example, which is there's a whole lot more happening behind the scenes. And so this morning, I want to invite us to look at a passage from the scriptures. It begins in chapter 10 verse 46. It's a story of Bartimaeus, uh, Bart, as some of the kids have learned about. And we'll look at this together. Uh, It begins with this, Jesus and his followers came into Jericho. As Jesus was leaving Jericho, together with his disciples, in a sizable crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, Timaeus' son, was sitting beside the road. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, show me mercy. Many scolded him, telling him to be quiet. But he shouted even louder, Son of David, show me mercy. Jesus stopped and said, call him forward. The blind man encouraged, get up, he's calling you. Throwing his coat to the side, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, teacher, I want to see. Jesus said, go, your faith has healed you. At once, he was able to see, and he began to follow Jesus on the way. Let me offer our prayer for our time this morning. God, as we gather together around your scriptures, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see clearly, open our hearts to understand that we might live your good news in our everyday lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. So when we first meet uh, Bartimaeus, we find Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, Bartimaeus is broke down on the side of the road. He's stuck, and he's stranded. And along at the same time comes this uh, parade. <laughs> Maybe it was the three o'clock parade, Right? <laughs> But but along comes this parade, this caravan of people, and uh, Mark tells us that they came from, uh, they came into Jericho, and they came out of Jericho, and they were on their way to Jerusalem. It was the time of the Passover, and in the Scripture, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. In the way Mark writes it, all the things before his death and crucifixion have already happened, and at this point, Jesus is making his way towards the cross, And so everything about that is in view. And if you think about it, the cross is really the pivotal moment. Everything points to that, and Jesus is on the road heading to that point. At this point, a crowd has gathered around Jesus, and they're going with him either to to see what's going to happen or just because there's a crowd and it gathers people. But if you can imagine this, everyone is, is pilgrimaging towards Jerusalem. There's purpose, there's intention, there's a focus, there's a direction. And as they leave Jericho, there's, there's a man sitting by the road. And a couple more things about Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus uh, was called in the scriptures a beggar, someone who was asking for help from those who passed by. A couple of things about how begging worked back then. One of the ways that you would do it is you'd kind of have like a part of your clothing, you'd have like kind of an over cloak, a long cloak. And if you begged, you basically sat down on the ground, you, you took your cloak off, you would turn it around. And your cloak would spread out in front of you, and it almost gave you a place to have some things. You could have a small bucket that people could put coins into or maybe some food. You would have a way of kind of gathering charity. If you were trying to sell some items to try to get some money, you could have a couple of those items. And so your cloak really became your storefront, your way of gathering attention and and gathering resources. But remember, these weren't the paved roads that we know about today. Everything was, was dusty and dirty. And so if you can imagine with me, as Bartimaeus sat there day after day, cloak out, items out, the dust of the day would just begin to circulate. And with so much of a crowd and a parade coming through, the dust would kick up. And if I imagine it this way, what I see is Bartimaeus just covered in the dust and the dirt of life, and it almost makes him camouflage. He almost just blends into the road, blends into the scenery. He's ignored or, or passed by, or if someone does give something, it's, it's probably very quick and moved on his way. And so Bartimaeus is a part of the scenery, if he's even seen at all. And so here is someone who is, is seeking help, most likely in those times through no fault of his own, but because of something tragic that happened to him or in his life, forced him into this place. And so for Bartimaeus, he is in a position where he is systematically overlooked and constantly passed by. And once again, here comes another parade, another Passover, another group of people passing by. And it's an opportunity for him to gather the things, the resources, the basic needs that he needs to survive. And of course, I want to put these two things in perspective. One, Bartimaeus, but also Jesus too, and the destination. Remember, they're going to Passover. This is significant. This is the memory of God's rescue from Egypt. And there's a purpose and a destination. There's not a lot of time to stop. There's no time for interruptions. We have somewhere that we're going. When I uh, began working in a customer service type field, one of the first things they taught us was kind of an order of priority. So in that particular field, we had a couple of ways we'd interact with customers Uh, The first one is that customers would come into the store. Uh, The other one was the phone would ring. The other one was we could get a text from a customer. It was kind of a sales thing uh, or an email. Back in those days, it doesn't feel like that. Long ago, email wasn't that prevalent. And so we had this kind of order of things. And so if the phone rang as a customer came in and a text message came in, we had an order priority that you help the person in front of you first. I'm not sure if it's still that way today, but the idea was is the one who was there face-to-face, took priority over the other forms. And as we look at this passage of Scripture here, Jesus has a distinct purpose. And whether he knows fully how the Jerusalem event will unfold or not, he knows that he goes to Jerusalem to mark his end, his death. And the people know that they're going to the Passover meal. And what else could be more important than that? But this beggar begins to call out, And of course, in the moment that he calls out the crowd, being the crowd, tries to to shush him down. Like, like, whatever you have to say can't be nearly as important as where we're going, what we're doing. We're We're on a divine mission from God. Jesus had a divine appointment in Jerusalem, but when he calls out, Jesus stops what he's doing and makes time, makes time for this person, for this human being created in God's image. And all of a sudden, we see this sharp contrast between a crowd and a a gaggle of people. Jesus stops to make time for one. And and notice the crowd. And crowds work the same way today as they did back then. The first time, Bartimaeus calls out, son of David. The crowd, shh, quiet, quiet, quiet. Jesus is too important for this. But then as soon as Jesus pays attention and, and catches them, now the crowd's all behind him. Oh, yes, come on, come on, yes. Don't take so long, come on. Right? Crowds are fickle, aren't they? Whether they're a crowd going to Jerusalem, whether they're a crowd at a, at a theme park, right? Whether it's the in crowd at school, whether it's the in crowd in our adult, in our work lives, because let's be honest, those just translate, don't they? Right? These crowds are so fickle and they just go with the wind and it seems like whoever is the most popular whoever the in one is, that's who they're about. And if you're out, but they select you as in, then all of a sudden you're golden. And so Jesus had all these people following behind him and, and really they were just interested in whatever the new and exciting kind of thing was. You can see clearly they didn't quite get where Jesus was going on this road at this point. But all of a sudden when Jesus hears him calling out, and pauses everything about this divine appointment to care for this one person, we see something amazing happen. God is doing something gigantic in the universe. Jesus knows it's not more important than the need of this one person calling out. And so in this passage, we see a unique change, and I think Mark wants us to catch this in his writing, because the first way he describes him as someone who is sitting by the road, someone who is in the way, Mark takes the same language, the same word, flips it around, and says, now Bartimaeus is on the way. Capital T, capital W, the way. And that was the way that the early church spoke about following Jesus, that we were those on the way. Reminds us of when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Bartimaeus was broke down on the road, on the way, in the way. Jesus sees him, now he's a part of the way. No longer a burden, right, as society would see him, but as he is a beloved. And so now Bartimaeus becomes active and purposeful and joins in with others. One of the unique things about how Mark writes is Mark writes fast. Mark moves very quickly through the story to get to what he thinks are the most important parts. And oftentimes, he doesn't have a lot of time for names. We talked last week about how many different times Mark healed, or Mark talks about Jesus healing someone. And rarely do we get their name. But here, we're told exactly who it was. And maybe that tells us a couple things. Maybe it tells us that, uh, just as another way of reminding us of how Jesus is flipping the world on, on its end and saying, the one that no one knew, except maybe as that person who sits outside Jericho. God knew as Bartimaeus. Maybe also, too, Bartimaeus was known to the early church. And so his name was recorded there as a way of reminding them, this Bartimaeus that you know today, as a leader in the church, this is his story. and How Jesus met him on the way and invited him into the way. I think what it reminds us is that in the world, there may be a lot of somebodies or, or nobodies, but in God's world, every name is known, and every person is valued, and every child is beloved, no matter how society has camouflaged or hidden or ignored them. And there's, a, there's an irony here, and my hunch is you probably caught this too. Do you remember what they said? What was Bartimaeus' condition? What was it about him, part of the reason he was begging? He was, he was blind, exactly. Bartimaeus was blind and couldn't see, yet he saw Jesus. And those who could see, the crowd, the the Pharisees, the followers, they didn't see exactly who Jesus saw. There's a twist here where the one who couldn't see actually saw more clearly than those who had eyes to see. And it reminds us that in God's kingdom, in God's way of doing things in the family, those who society would look at and say, there's something about them that's different, that's not, quote, normal, that's irregular, there's maybe a disability. The way that we look at each other and, and categorize and label as, as, as who's in, who's out, who's got it, who doesn't, who can see, and, and who can't. Jesus begins to look past those categories. And Jesus invites us as those on the way to look past those categories, too. To recognize that sometimes it's those who don't have maybe the abilities that we do that can perhaps see God more clearly and can teach us something about it. After all, the crowd was just following along, but this beggar on the side of the road addressed him not as, hey, teacher, or hey, guy who heals people, but the Messiah, the son of David. He's the only one in this story who really gets who Jesus is in this moment. And so it reminds us that the way God works in the world is not always obvious to us. And it's not always the ways that we're taught. But as we follow on the way and as we watch Jesus, we can begin to pick up these things too. The other piece that we notice about this is that Jesus offers the man dignity. In his particular setting, dignity was something that he was stripped of a long time ago. That was not something that he had. And when he comes to him and he calls out to him, uh, Jesus says to him, Call them, call them to come forward. Uh, they call the blind man. And then uh, he says, Jesus says to him, What do you want me to do for you? And we know a couple of things about Jesus. Jesus probably already knew what ailed him. It's probably obvious that he was blind. It was obvious, at least at this point, that he was begging for resources. Jesus probably had every idea in mind exactly what he needed, even more than what the man thought. Because we, we understand that God knows what we need even deeper than we do. And yet, Jesus asks the question of him, what do you need? At that moment, what he gives this man is dignity and agency. He gives him the ability to vocalize for himself. And, and these become these powerful encounters where we recognize that God is teaching us another way. He invites him into salvation, a reminder for us that none of us are forced or coerced into faith. Sure, we may be carried up here, right? But we also recognize that at a certain point in time, as we said this morning with Oliver, that at such a time as he will accept for himself and and choose for himself, and we recognize that God invites us freely to follow. We are not forced. We are not pre-chosen some and then others kind of left out on the side. All of us are invited. But God does that with dignity so that we might respond. And all of this we see here begins with faith. It began with this man's hope. Will you help me? Will you show me mercy? And so as Jesus in the book of John says in verse 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what we see in the story of Bartimaeus is an invitation to a journey, and I always like that metaphor, because it's less about what we do as a performance, and it's more about the road that we're on. And the road of life is a great metaphor for a journey. Life's journey and how we go through the journey of life is what interests Jesus. And being followers of the way tell us a couple things about how we live that nobody in God's family is camouflaged or hidden. Maybe conversely, that that no one should feel like they have to put on something or or put on an appearance, maybe hide something, in order to be a part of the family of faith. In my time journeying on the way, what I've learned is that the community of faith was always intended to be an ever-including family. And any time we get to the point where we begin excluding others, find ourselves just like that crowd, pushing aside the Bartimaeuses, like Jesus doesn't have time for you, or you're not good enough, or all the different things that we make excuses for, that it's easy for us to get lost in the crowd, to get swept up in the, the kind of the way of the crowd, or to get kind of pushed back in the crowd, but as, as followers on the way, we're learning, as Jesus taught us, to be looking towards the edges, looking towards the margins who are those whom society has has pushed aside, right? has given kind of the back row seat? Because in Jesus' family, Jesus stops the most important thing in the world that he's doing to go over, to welcome. And then in Bartimaeus' case, he becomes a leader in God's church. A leader. And so I want to invite us to consider how we ourselves are people on the way. Maybe you have been on the way for your whole life for a long period of time. Maybe you are new to faith and you've been on the way for a short period. Maybe you're someone who doesn't feel like you're on the way yet. I want to invite us to consider where we are on the path with Jesus. Does our story relate in any ways to Bartimaeus? How did God first see us? How did God welcome us into family, into community? One of the things I love about celebrating baptism is we get to recognize that God's grace is active before we ever understand anything that's happening around us. God was working in your life and in my life before I ever understood who God was or had any concept of a a deity beyond myself. And this is what we see here. So the story begins with Bartimaeus calling out in faith to Jesus, and it's a story of a stubborn faith that refuses to give up when the rest of the crowd says, you don't belong. It's a faith that says, I have a place here because God has given it to me. And I hope that the church, our church, the larger church, can always be a place where those with stubborn faith continue to call out and say, there is a place for me here whether you up front say it or not. Because God says there's a place for me here. And I hope that as we go out into our Mondays and the rest of our weeks, we we can begin to look in our schools and in our work and in our communities for those who have been pushed to the side or separated and to find a way without maybe making even a big scene because we don't need others to really see it, but to find a way to go to those who others have set aside for one reason or another. Begin friendship or relationship or connection and in doing so to model the love of Christ. And perhaps, as we did in Bartimaeus, to learn something from someone else. This metaphor of the road reminds me that life isn't about the final destination. It's not just about getting to heaven. It's not just about what happens when we die. The way tells us that there's a whole bunch between now and then that takes place. And so it reminds us that we each have opportunities for learning and for growth, And one of the most surprising things is that we can find those in unexpected places. I heard someone say this week that one of the reasons they go to church is to intentionally put themselves around people who are not like them so that they might learn something new. I think that's a great definition of a community of faith. There's a whole bunch of people who are very different and yet find common ground in the person of Jesus Christ. And so as we gather together in just a moment around the table, here is another reminder to us that Jesus invites all to the table. One of my favorite things about being United Methodist Church is that there's no requirements for coming down and receiving communion. You don't have to present your Methodist membership card. (laughs) We don't actually have those. You don't have to uh, confess your faith before you get there. What we find at this table is an invitation from Jesus that says, Come all who are hungry and who are thirsty, all are welcome. And we get to celebrate God's open table together. And then we get to having experienced the grace of Jesus in that mysterious way, go back to our lives and try to find ways to open up the tables, to open up our lives, to keep an open house for others. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.